If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. The Rovers Chat YouTube channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases and much more. They also have plenty of Rovers goods including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special Rovers Chat Meets. It's the first time that we've had two people on the uh, interview at the same time and we couldn't have picked two more important and better people to spend some time with today. Um, we have, you know, absolute Blackburn Rovers royalty that I get the, the chance to speak to today. And Derek Fasakali, who joins us from Lango. Good morning. And then uh, Simon Garn, who joins us from um, Ikea, by the looks of it. <laughs> Simon, where, where do you join us from today? You mentioned you just put your paintbrush down to come and join us. I join you from Cookham in Berkshire. And you've been uh, doing some painting this morning? No, I've not gone yet. I'm late for work, actually, but don't worry about it. That won't be the first time, guys. That won't be the first time. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the end of that interview because Simon needs to get to work. And uh, goodbye, everyone. No, um, we, we're going to spend about half an hour, 45 minutes with the two legends here, um, answering some of your questions, answering some of mine, and just getting some stories of uh, Blackburn Rovers through the 70s, 80s, and, and talking about the modern team as well. Um, we are recording this the day after uh, a nil-nil with Millwall, um, which leaves Blackburn Rovers still in the playoffs at the moment, um, but obviously struggling for goals, Simon. Um, we've scored two goals now in, in nine matches, I think. We're just about hanging on in the playoffs. I don't know how much you've seen of the of the recent run, but we really need you on the pitch, to be honest. <laughs> I wish. No, I was down at uh, Fulham on Saturday. I did the commentary for Radio Lancashire and... Um... They are struggling without Diaz. Um, they're struggling big time to score goals, um, and they're not creating many chances neither at the moment. No, we 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 we're really struggling, like, like I say, creatively and um, finishing off the chances. But we've still got that very strong solidity in the team. Do you think that Mowbray should perhaps look to shift the balance somewhat, or do you think that keeping that defensive solidity and only needing one or two goals to get a result? Is the way forward for the rest of the season? Well, I think it's important that they're picking up points when they're not scoring goals. I mean, if they can get a draw here and again, it keeps them in the mix at the moment. The way the results are going around them, um, I think they've been a bit fortunate that other teams are losing as well. Yeah, exactly. We're still banging the fight. And if anyone was to say to any Rovers fan at the start of the season that you were going to be in fourth, fifth place with 10 games to go, um, and it's actually quite a favourable fixture list at the moment as well. So, you know, you've got to take the positives from it. And this, this barren run can't go on forever. The goals will start flowing again at some point. And like you say, Brereton might be back soon. Get Kadra back in the team who was missing last night. Um, then you've got a few more options. Bradley Dack um, scored a couple of goals behind closed doors yesterday as well. So um, there, there are options coming back into it. So certainly not all is lost. And Derek, you, you're in the playoff hunt 
with Oxford United as well. We just had a conversation before we started recording. You don't have those problems. You're banging in the goals at Oxford. But have you seen anything of Rovers as well whilst you've been working? I have. I've, uh, I've managed to catch up with them on three occasions recently. And they've had quite a tough run of fixtures, to be fair. I mean, the games that I saw, I think, were Forest, uh, Huddersfield Town and Middlesbrough. All teams who were competing in and around them as well, you know, and uh, they were all tough games, there's absolutely no doubt about it. And I think, um, you know, as disappointed as they might be that they haven't maybe managed to get the three points last night, I do think that, uh, you know, you've got to take it in perspective, uh, not get too disappointed when you, you know, drop a couple of points and just look forward to the next game and, and certainly look at perhaps an easier run of fixtures, as you've said, coming up now that might obviously help them and, uh, you know, push to get well certainly stay in the um, in the playoff places and i think uh, it, yeah it's, it's it's going to be a close finish to the end of the season but there's 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 reason to be optimistic i'm sure yeah absolutely um we'll move on then to talk about you, your guys' careers and um just before we kind of move up into what you what you remember of, of your time at rovers i just wanted to touch on gordon lee who we had the news yesterday i think it was that he sadly passed away um, obviously, he was manager at Blackburn Rovers during a, a promotion campaign, which you know you'd taken part in. Eric, I wondered if you just had a, a few words about Gordon and um, his time at Rovers, uh, how it coincided with your own. Yeah, no, I mean he was a fantastic uh, person first and foremost, a fantastic manager. I mean he came into the club uh, the season prior to us getting promotion in the February or March, I think it was analysed the team that we had at that particular time, decided in that short period of time with the last something like 10 games to go or something like that, what he would need to um, um, make the team a little bit more successful on a very, very small budget. Went out and I think uh, recruited four players, the likes of Graham Hawkins, Graham Oates, Sandy Bergen, um, Ken Beamish. And that was the sort of um start of the good times really um the following season we got promoted and he was such a great person to play for kept the game very very simple he wasn't a ranter and a raver you know if you hadn't uh if you've done well you got a pat on the back and if you hadn't done so well there was a reason why you hadn't done so well and let's try and improve on it sort of thing and certainly he wasn't one to throw the teacups around the dressing rooms and stuff like that but he had a very very good knowledge of what was required to build a successful team you know you got a more experienced player alongside either myself or john waddington we had don martin up front but he got somebody with uh, a little bit more robust to play alongside who could get in behind people uh in ken beamish you know uh andy bergen left back right back and of course as i say graham oates um good player center midfield center half center forward and they were all you know, probably 20, 25,000 pounds, maybe spent 100,000 pounds on the four of them. And that was the backbone of the side. And there were one or two additions during the season, of course, there were, because you could buy players then. But uh, he was very, very good at uh, putting a side together and knowing what the side, and not just the ability of the players, the character of the players as well to get them to gel. And if you weren't a great character and you didn't fit in the dressing room, then I'm sorry you had to go. And those were the principles he. He stuck to and and they served him well. Absolutely. Was he still manager when you joined Simon or was we moved no, on? No, I, I was after Gordon. 
It was um, Jim Smith who signed me. Yeah, and some of those names that Derek's mentioning there, though, they were still part of the club when you when you arrived as a young man. And how do you yeah, remember were, your... yeah, when I got there? The well, I mean, Beemo, I remember him. Obviously, Faz, Graham Hawkins, Andy Bergen was still there. I think Don Martin had gone. Uh, Graham Oates had gone as well. I think when I got there. In fact, I think I used to clean Fazzy's boots. Well, there's a lot of people laid claim to that uh, guy, so <laughs> you wouldn't be the only one. Ironically, I, I bumped into Dougie last week and he said, you used to clean my boots. I said, yeah, yeah, you and a few others as well. <laughs> uh, but Faz mentioned it as the start of the good times. Um, obviously, that brings in like the late 70s. Uh, I know we got a relegation uh, quite quickly on and then we got promoted again under Howard, I think it was. What's your memories of those early days, Simon, when you joined? Um, from Boston, was it Boston United you were training at? And then yeah, well, I, I was training with Boston United when I was in my last year at school. Um, and then obviously I, I went up to Blackburn, signed as an apprentice. And um, it was strange. I mean, you're moving away from home. I was moving 200 miles away. It was strange to start with. We used to live in a little terraced house across the road from the ground. Where was this? Boston, Massachusetts, you were living? Yeah, that's right. 200 miles. <laughs> I used to fly in. But no, it was a strange experience to start with. It, it took some getting used to. There's four fathers living in a terraced house straight across the road from the ground. And um, we just used to look after ourselves. A woman used to come in and make us breakfast and make the evening meal. So it, it, you missed your home comforts to start with. And it was it was hard to start with, but... Once you got used to it and you put your head down, you just got on with it. And if you wanted to be a footballer, you had to grow up really quickly in them days. Yeah, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing Mick Rathbone um, last year. And he had a, he moved from the Midlands to Blackburn. And he described it as um, kind of the start of his career, that Blackburn was kind of... He, he described it as his salvation. Now, we know what Baz is like with his stories. Um, so he probably went a little bit over the top. But do you feel like moving to Blackburn kind of did kickstart your career and made you a man, really? Yeah, it did do, yes. Oh, definitely. I mean, I was 16, coming up to 17 years old. I think I signed in the September and I was 17 in the November. So I always wanted to, I know people say this, but I always wanted to be a footballer. I did nothing else at school. Um, missed most of the lessons to play football. I was playing for the sixth form when I was 14 years old, so I missed a lot of lessons playing for the sixth form team. So my education wasn't the best. So I knuckled down, got my head down, and worked as hard as I could. And is that, do you remember Garner's coming in, Faz? And does, does that tally with what you remember of a young Simon Garner? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I was fortunate because I was from, well, Penwitham. I, I was able, I was one of the fortunate ones. I, it, during my apprenticeship, I was able to live at home. Uh, but certainly in those days, yeah, we had a house that people used to stay in. And of course, there was a little bit of uh, trouble here and there occasionally, which there always is when you get a group of kids together. But generally speaking, I mean, like Simon says, it was you just had to grow up quickly. And certainly Simon coming into the club and then um, uh, to begin with, things weren't easy for him, particularly when Howard came into the club. I don't think Howard was a massive fan and and. Simon, in fairness to him, had to win him over. And eventually, of course, he did. Uh, but the season that we got promoted, Howard uh, brought the lad from Derby, didn't he? Who scored a few goals for us. And 
it was, you know, nip and tuck between him and Simon. And then, of course, after that, then Simon sort of established himself and went on to do great things for us. But uh, to start with, it was it was quite a tough upbringing and a difficult one because, uh, you know, it, things went straight forward. I can remember a time when there was rumour that, you know, he was almost on his way out. Um, fortunately for the club, it never happened. And uh, we all sort of lived to benefit from it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that uh, promotion season as well. We obviously, we touched on the one under Gordon, but under Howard, um, Simon, I'll come to you first. Obviously, there was that to and fro between yourself and you weren't always first choice, but was that um, a great team to be a part of? What was the season like? Hopefully, we'll experience the I mean, yeah. Howard at the time was desperate to get me out the door. I mean... Um... He wanted to sign a striker. I can't remember. I think it was somebody from Chesterfield. I'm not sure now. He wanted to sign. And he wanted me to sign for Halifax. And um, I said, no, I went to have talks with Halifax. I came back and I said, no, I'm not going. And uh, he just turned around and said, well, you never play for me again. But obviously I didn't for a while. But luckily I got back in the side and scored a few goals. And that season was a great season, getting promotion that season. I... I've worked my way back, I wouldn't say into his good books, but I got myself back in the side. And um, Howard had a way of playing that if we scored a goal, it was the other team wouldn't score a goal. And I think we won lots of games, one or two nil or something like that. But we had a great atmosphere in the dressing room and the boys stuck together. And uh, we put a run together, it was really good. I can't remember, I think it was a record for the club that season. And uh, we did really well and we enjoyed each other's company. And we had a great time on and off the park. So I think the, the camaraderie between the players helped us a lot. Yeah. And is that something that you remember as well, that team spirit, Faz, about the that team? And we obviously spoke just off air about um, almost going back-to-back promotions in those two seasons. Was it the team spirit and the togetherness of that group of players that it kind of enabled that to happen? Yeah, of course. I mean, and ironically... Uh... This weekend, I was in Belfast watching a game for for, for Oxford, and uh, one of the trips that we went on in the year that we got promoted was uh, a trip to Belfast. And I thought, right, well, I'll have a little trip round Belfast and see if the places that we used to go to uh, were still open. And we stayed in the Euro- in the Europa Hotel. Now, at that time, it was the most bombed hotel in Europe. Mm-hmm. But we went across and stayed a couple of days, and it was. We played the game because we'd been knocked out of the FA Cup and we played uh, Linfield at Windsor Park and Howard was a pal of the manager. So we went across, stayed in the... Across the road was a pub uh, and next to the hotel is the Opera House. And I can confirm this because I've been there this weekend and had a look at them all. The pub's still there, the Opera House is still there. The Opera House that year in concert was uh, Frank Carson, he was doing the uh, pantomime and every night we ended up in the pub across the road. It was the only place we could go to. And Frank Carson used to come in and it was the way he told them when he had his stitches every <laughs> night after the pantomime was finished. And it was ironic that I've been there this weekend to see, and the place is just, well, no, the place has changed undoubtedly. The hotel's now been rebuilt several times, I would imagine. Uh, but it was one of the things that we did. I think we ended up going to Guernsey or Jersey as well. At the end of the season, we went to uh, uh, Mallorca. And, and not just from a professional playing point of view, where we had uh, fantastic success, but we also had uh, 
you know, a good time off the pitch as well. And perhaps not quite the professional way they live their life these days, but certainly it didn't seem to affect us. We had a great season um, and finished off with promotion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you touch on there, not maybe the professionalism that you see these days. Simon, like, obviously, when young players are breaking through into the game these days, we, we often talk about how professional they are, how they can't do certain things, they can't go out, they have to be careful what they do. Um, how would you feel about kind of breaking into, you know, Blackburn Rovers team these days um, with, with all these kind of trappings of... Well, I, 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 well I became an apprentice at Blackburn. I thought I was a model pro, actually. I mean, I did everything right, followed the rules. I'm looking at Fazzy's face and I'm just wondering whether that's true. I was professional. The older players used to try and lead me down the wrong way and take me down the pub and things like this. But uh, no, I knuckled down and concentrated on the football. And if you believe any of that, you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I would struggle nowadays. I'll admit it, hold my hands up. I'd find it very hard. I mean, it's well known that I was a smoker and I, I like to drink. And, um, I did smoke and I smoked all my career. I'm not encouraging people to do that because I think it's a stupid thing to do. But uh, that's the way I was and it worked. luckily it worked for me at the time. I mean, I wasn't the fittest footballer you'd ever see, but I was fortunate that I could put the ball in the back of the net and that helped me a lot. I'll ask the question. It just popped into my head there a question. Do you think that if you weren't smoking and drinking that that would have made a difference to your career at all or, or not? Who knows? I mean, it's hard to answer that. Yeah. Yes, I perhaps have been a bit fitter, um, or a lot fitter, whichever way you want to look at it. But personally, no, I don't. I don't think it would have made me a better footballer, let's say. No. I think I'd still <laughs> score goals the way I've scored goals, if you want to put it like that. Um, it wouldn't have made me a better footballer by not drinking and smoking, I don't think. Yeah. I've been having sort of... Uh gone through the different generations and I've been involved now well 50 years so that's that's five generations and the difference between now and what we went through then I think nutrition's the big thing there's far more um, knowledge about when to eat what to eat how to eat uh, and stuff like that and then the other the other things that these days that make such a huge difference to the game and we would have adapted in this way are the playing conditions. You can watch a game now in January, February, March, where they're covered in grass. In our day, there wouldn't be a blade of grass on some of the pitches that we played in and made it far more difficult. And when I look back now at the training regimes that we had, we actually trained far harder than some of the modern day players because a lot of the modern day players, they have a heart monitor, they know exactly how far to run, when to run, what intensity to run at. And we were just said, look, uh, we're doing pre-season, it's a cross-country run, it's two and a half miles, it's three miles, just run it as quick as you can and see how fast you can get back. Now, there were good runners and people who weren't so, so good runners. Of course there were. But these days, it's all monitored and they know exactly what level to get to where they just say, right, that's enough, thank you very much. We wouldn't know until we were bent over the wall spewing up whether we'd run hard enough or not. And so I do think, and, and, I, and I've lived through it, and I'm not against it, uh, there is a little bit of a myth about, you know, uh, the training. And there are certainly players today 
um, as Garn said, he talks about smoking. A lot of the foreign players smoke. You don't see many, many English players smoking these days, but a lot of the foreign players, French, German, still smoke. The Scandinavian players, they like a drink. They're pretty much like ourselves. And so, yeah, there are people who live a, an exemplary lifestyle, but uh, everything in moderation uh, is tolerated, I think, in football. And certainly um, in the way that the game's gone, I think it, there's a big improvement. But it's for some of the other reasons, and one being nutrition, the other being, as I said, the, the, the conditions that you're playing under now and the pitches that you're playing under, the balls that they're using, the boots that you're wearing and stuff like that. Those are the things that actually make the difference. I I talk to our players at times, you know, some of the owners say, some of the days that they have, it would only be half a day for us, for us. But, you know, that's that's life. They get on with it. They probably play a few more games these days because the leagues are a little bit bigger. You know, there's 46 league games in our league now. I don't know what there was in uh, uh, in our day when we won the league. I'm not so sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think they would have been slightly fewer. I think it was more evenly spread, the number of teams, because yeah. obviously now we've only got 20 in the top league. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they would have been slightly fewer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think my my point of view on it is that, like you say, everything in moderation. And I think for young players, they've got they've still got to have experiences of being a young person. They've got to see the world, travel, have life, personal experiences. And I think when if that makes you into a more rounded person, and that's going to probably make you a better footballer, being able to learn other stuff and have an understanding of, you know, life. Surely you can't take that away from these young players. And sometimes I think that kind of makes it worse um some some players really struggle with that because they've not had that uh, life um as a young person so yeah it's definitely a balance to be struck in well, my opinion yeah and i think the rewards i think the rewards today are that yeah. great you'd be foolish if you didn't look after yourself properly and give yourself the best opportunity and also um in our day there was no social media and yeah. so if we got into a little bit of a scuffle in a pub somewhere or had a little bit too much or whatever, then pretty much be kept in-house. These days, unfortunately, they, they, they live their life the way and they can't do anything, you know, um, without being photographed or filmed or, 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 you know, some sort of social media site sort of pick, picking it up sort of thing. And that's, that's, that's the downside for playing in these days, certainly. Sorry, Simon. Yeah, so Fast over you there. That. So uh, I'm sure you're not used to that, but you were saying? No, I was saying I agree with Faz there about the social media thing. I think young players, especially the ones in, in the Premier League, your big-timers, your Grealishes, your Foldens, just to take two at Man City, the spotlight they're under, the pressure they're under, I think they do need to grow up pretty quickly now, well, very quickly nowadays. And be very careful because, as Faz says, social media can that can ruin your career in yeah, twenty four hours. You can be finished. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about a bit more about kind of the eighties then and the time that we spent in the second tier. Um, we had a couple of changes of managers. Bobby Saxton came in um, and managed the team for quite a few seasons. What was your memories of, of playing under him, Simon, and that team that was kind of constantly kind of aiming for promotion obviously no playoffs in those days um so it was a bit more difficult to kind of get involved in the promotion race but we always seem to be knocking on the door Bobby was a great manager for me 
he helped me a lot. Um, I really enjoyed working for Bobby Saxton and playing for him. Um, he was down to earth. He came across as a person who, perhaps to the fans and to the press, he didn't like talking to them, but when he was with the players, he got his point across. He got it across simply. His tactics were very good, I thought. His team talks were very good. And I would say he was the best manager I played for at Blackburn. Um, he gave me a good run in the side, obviously. We was always there or thereabouts. And, and I think at the time, we didn't have a lot of money at the football club. So he was a bit shackled in a way about what plays he could bring in. And perhaps if he could have brought in a couple of more players, we could have crossed the line and got promotion. But he built a great team spirit up in the football club and he protected his players. And um, I really enjoyed playing for Bobby Saxton. And Faz, you under Bobby Saxton? Oh, exactly the same. Great man. Uh, wonderful person to play for. If you worked hard for him, he'd do his best for you. And certainly, uh, over the five or six years that he was there, on a shoestring budget, for us to be competing at the top of the league against the likes of, well, I can remember playing Chelsea in our league. I can remember playing Tottenham in our league. I can remember playing pretty much all the top teams suffered barring Liverpool and Arsenal, I think. Uh, but we managed to punch our weight way above our weight um, in those days. And it was unfortunate that we were hamstrung really by the budget, you know, something like, I think it was about an overdraft facility of about 250 grand then. I mean, 250 grand, you can't buy a decent house for that these days, you know, but mm -hmm. that's, and, and he did it, never complained, uh, wheeled and dealed a little bit, got one or two lone players in, uh, kept the players he wanted around him. Fantastic. And you have to give credit to the players as well, because one or two players might have moved on and made a little bit more money. But we all enjoyed each other's company. Um, and we were all fighting for the same cause. And that was something that he was able to sort of um, um, bind together and gel. And uh, again, pre-seasons were tough, but we used to enjoy our little trips to Morecambe. People laugh about it, but Christ, they were great trips. Then we'd be off to the Isle of Man. Again, people at Isle of Man, you know, where, where, where players and stuff are going. But we had a great team, great camaraderie. And one of the things that uh, kept us together, really, and made us such a difficult team to beat. And, yeah, we were very, very close on a couple of occasions. Um, but, unfortunately, just didn't manage to quite get it over the line. Yeah, a couple of uh, sixth-place finish, fifth-place finish. Um, in 83 and uh, sorry, 84 and 85 was probably the zenith of the Saxton era. And obviously, Simon, you were scoring a lot of goals in those seasons, a couple of half decent cup runs as well, fifth round. Um, what like, let's talk about some of the teammates that you played with in that time. Who were the key men that allowed us to kind of get so close to promotion on that shoestring budget? Well, if you're asking me, it's obviously me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was asking guys, so uh. <laughs> I'm sure he would We've say you as him. well. We've lost him, I think. Is he still there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think yet. I, th I think it was a team spirit that we had. We was all in it together. I wouldn't say we had key men in a way. I mean, everybody knew what they had to do. We worked together hard. When we was on the pitch, we worked together hard. 
if somebody needed a rollicking, they got a telling off and stuff like that. We we weren't afraid to tell each other off because we knew after the game it will all be forgotten, things like that. It was just a team spirit, I think, that carried us as far as what it got us. That's funny because Paz said it was definitely like him Paz. when I interviewed him. <laughs> no, I think I think the unit uh, as a group was a tight knit group. It was know, very consistent, wasn't it, over those years? Yeah, and I think the defense. fact that you know we we couldn't afford to bring in um, <clears throat> new players every season and chop and change. It gave us an opportunity to work together and get to know each other and get used to each other, and obviously. I mean, the back four played together and the goalkeeper played together. Well, that's an important facet of the team. And, you know, we, we, we did reasonably well. And, of course, Garn's been a mainstay. And then Tony in midfield and... and uh, uh, Ian Miller on one side, Noel Brotherson on the other side. You know, the, the bedrock of the team pretty much didn't change for the five or six years. There were one, two new faces that came in and did well, people... You know, like Jimmy Quinn and, and Norman Bell and people like that. But the bedrock of the team was pretty much the goalkeeper, uh, the back four, uh, the two wide players, Simon and the two central midfield players. And anything else we got out of that was a bonus, really. And I think the fact that we played together, we knew we were working hard for each other. We were playing for each other's mortgages at the end of the day. Um, and And... It was something that we enjoyed. We enjoyed each other's company. You know, people like uh, uh, Brannigan and Rathbone, uh, Glenn Keeley. Uh, you know, they, they were they were great players for the club at very very difficult times as well. Because, as I say, the lack of finance really and the budget that was um, far less than many of the other clubs that we came up against and competed against in that league at that particular time. Yeah, uh, just looking at the attendances as well. It, obviously, it was a time where. Uh, Football fandom was under a lot of pressure in the in the 80s, but our attendances at Ewood Park were seven, eight, um, even one season, it was like 5,900 average. Um, was that something that affected the, the team at all, or what was the story around that? Obviously, it was a very different stadium then, I understand that, but um, I don't know. You used to hear one or two of the little stories, like David Brown was a chairman for a spell, and David Brown was a great fella, but unfortunately. His business was suffering as well, and he stepped down. And Bill Fox came, and I can remember Bill Fox saying some days, "Oh, you know, they had to pay the VAT, or they had to pay the uh, inland revenue. They pay the VAT check, uh, check to the inland revenue, and the inland revenue check to the VAT, and that will yeah. buy them two or three days grace. And in that time, they'd be able to play the milkman to pay for the milk and stuff like that till the next home gate. I mean, they were living hand to mouth at that particular time, and it was very, very difficult." And it, there's no doubt about it, you know, a cup run then was the making of our season. If we could have a couple of games in the cup and get, you know, 12,000, 15,000 on against one of the bigger teams, then that made our season. And, uh, you know, people, it's, it's easy to forget those days, you know, prior to, obviously, Jack taking over the club. But they were just things that we embraced and laughed at and got on with. And, uh, and like I say, I think it was... Uh, playing in the company of the lads that we had there that helped keep us going. Yeah, we seem to temporarily lost Simon. I think he was struggling with his connection there in, in the shed. Um, but we do have a question uh, specifically for you, Faz, if you, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, I've got a question here asking, 
Um, after all your time at Rovers, um, were you gutted that you left just months before the full members cup final? Yeah, of course I was. I mean, irrespective of the fact that it was the full members cup final, I can remember going hard into the manager's office with a couple of the players to negotiate the bonuses for if we got to, and nobody thought we were going to get there. So we said, oh yeah, we'll take that a thousand pounds for winning it. Yeah, no problem. Of course they won it. I didn't get a penny. So <laughs> <laughs> I was very gutted, I can tell you. <laughs> but uh, no, I was gutted to leave to leave the club. I mean, I've been there 18 years. I mean, I came out of the, Bill Fox pulled me into the uh, um director's room and he said look we're going to have a few changes the manager's been sacked it sacked bobby and uh, uh, they knew that there was interest from chester to take me as like their uh, player coach he said we'll allow you to go and when he said it hit me hard you know i thought oh, christ what am i going to do now i had a club to go to and i knew i had to do something like that to progress my career but uh, it came hard at the time of course it did yeah 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 uh, we're just talking about the full members' cup final there, uh, Gardens, and just asked if if Faz was gutted about it. Um, obviously, the full members' cup final for a long time was kind of our um, best best uh, time that we had in terms of a final. We'd we'd not been in a final for for quite some time. Uh, what are your memories around? I think it was eighty seven, was it? Yeah, eighty seven, eight six. Yeah, something like that. I mean, the full members' cup was great there. I mean. No matter what people used to say about the full members' cup, um, it was a chance of playing at Wembley, and uh, every footballer wants to play at Wembley. And uh, when you play at Wembley, you want to win as well. So um, it seemed that we we seemed to just keep going through the rounds, as I remember it, and um, not realising how close we were getting to the final. And it didn't become a reality till about the semi-final, I think it was. And then, obviously, we got to Wembley and won the game. It, it was a great experience, a great day out, well, a great weekend out. And um, it was just great to play it. Well, as a footballer, like I just said, you just want to play at Wembley if you get the chance in your career. And uh, fortunately, we got the chance in the full Members' Cup final. I'm not bothered if it's a full Members' Cup or the FA Cup final. To play at Wembley is a great experience that all footballers want to do. And um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. And you were obviously continued with the club in into the late eighties. The playoffs were introduced. Um, we as soon as the playoffs were introduced, we seemed to quite like them because we ended up in them um, every season. I think it was three consecutive seasons. What do you remember of those times? And, <laughs> we and quite those? liked them. We've never got through them. I mean, at the time, I wasn't one for the playoffs being there. I feel think if you finished third, you should have got promotion. You could be ten points clear at the end of the season. And not go up, and I didn't fully agree with all that. But we got into the playoffs, and um, unfortunately, every time we just used to miss out. And it's a way of getting into the getting promotion. Like I said, I didn't agree with it, and in a way, I still don't agree with it. Um, I think if you finish third, you go up, and that's it, full stop. But it gives you that little extra chance, and we put everything into it going into them playoffs, and. In a way, when you get beat in them, it's like losing a cup final. It, it, it's a killer. It's like a knife in the heart or whatever you want to call it. But uh, then you've got to pick yourself up again for the next season. But we gave it all, but we missed out many times on the playoffs, and that was hard. Yeah, absolutely. But the manager, um, Dem Kai, obviously did a fantastic job of getting... It kind of picked up on what Saxon had done and, and kind of moved it 
maybe not forward, but obviously we were we were quite high up there for consecutive seasons again. So just a little word on 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 playing under that manager and what it was like as compared to to Bobby Saxon, who obviously you, you loved. Simon, that's oh, it's completely different, completely different. I mean, Don used to like his uh, own voice. Let's put it like that, Don McKay did. He, he liked his own voice. Um, he had his own opinions. He liked to be involved with everything around the football club, which is, it was his way of working, which not complaining about. He had a way of working. Um, he'd tell the tea ladies how many tea bags had to go in, a, in the kettle when he was making tea in the morning and stuff like that. So he liked to be involved all through the club. But he got stuff out of players. He, he did a good job there. Um, but he you, did used to like to hear his own voice, which you, you got used to. But Don was uh, completely different to Bobby, uh, complete opposite. Um, he was one who liked to talk to the press all the time to tell them what was going on and everything. And that's the way he worked. So, But it brought him success at the football club. And unfortunately, he didn't get us just over the final line again. So, But now I enjoyed working under Don as well. I've no problems with Don McKay. Um, if he dropped me, if he ever dropped me, I found it a bit strange sometimes, but that's the way he wanted to do it. And he'd sit me down and explain why he did it, which was great of him. He didn't just turn around and say, you're not playing. He'd explain, he'd take you into the office and explain it all to you. I mean, it could go on for a bit. It could go on for about an hour and you're <laughs> talking about cups of tea and wallpaper and things like that. But uh, he used to get it across to you why he was leaving you out the side, which was great. You wanted a manager to do that to you. You didn't want to be left out of the team so um, no Don had his way of working and we got used to it absolutely uh, we just got a few questions just to kind of round off the, the podcast from from a few people first one um, it's the same question to each one of you um, did you ever get a chance to move to the top well, flight um, starting with you Faz uh, did you obviously you played a hell of a lot of games in the second tier um, which meant that you were very consistent and a, a quality performer at this level. Did you ever get hear of anything um, for the top flight? I, I once got a, a, a phone call actually when after Howard had left and, and gone to Everton, um, but that was all it was—a phone call—and and nothing ever happened, and that and 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 that was the end of it, sort of thing. And it and it wasn't something that unduly worried me at the time either. I was I was thirty-one then, and I didn't want to go to be. Uh, a squad member in a big club. I just wanted to play football as much as I could. And I thought at 31, 32, going into the first division as it was then with a club like maybe Everton, would I get many? Would I get much game time? I'm not so sure. And from obviously a financial point of view, that would certainly have been, you know, a great opportunity. But uh, I got the phone call um, from a pretty well respected member of the staff, but it just never happened for one for one reason or another and I was quite happy to see out my time at Blackburn continue to play week in week out and rack up the number of games I did sort of thing you know but uh, yeah it would have been great to play in the top level but it would have been great to have done it when you're in your pump when you were 25 26 27 sort of thing rather than when you were sort of 31 32. And Simon did you get a chance to to move up into or did you hear of anything to move up into the top flight? Nice bit of hair that I can see. Yeah, he's gone again. Yeah. So he's done well to keep all of his hair that, that, that well. <laughs> I, he's um, not got that white paint out. 
<laughs> yeah, that decorating's going well. Um, just whilst we're struggling with Simon's connection, uh, I just wanted to talk about Tony Parks. Um, we've got Rovers Chat, that is. Rovers Chat are hosting... A new well, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm agreement with the club, but the club was always honest with me. I mean, in them days, it wasn't really agents or anything like that to uh, tout you about or try and get you a move. And I was always on the contract to the football club. Um, but, but you not hear me? We could hear you there, Simon. <laughs> I think his connection might be a bit a couple of minutes behind. That's what it's like down in Cookham. Yeah, exactly. It's hard <laughs> to just going to um. Take him off for now, see if he can get caught up. Um, Rovers Chat are hosting an evening with Colin Hendry down at Brockhall, down at the Avenue in Brockhall um, on Friday, 24th of June. Um, tickets are available via rctickets.co.uk. Um, we're raising, trying to raise as much money as we can for Tony and Natalie and, and his family, um, obviously trying to help him through his dementia. And, and, you know, it's a very difficult time for, for all of the Parks family, but obviously he still loves the club. He was, he's down regularly and um, he really lights up his life, um, Blackburn Rovers, as it, as it seems to have done for, for most of his career. Obviously, you know him very well, uh, Faz. So, like, what was he like? like? People my age don't remember Parks as a player. And then, obviously, you've worked with him on staff as well. You know, just any stories or any words about Tony Parks? Yeah, no, I mean, he's a great lad to be around. He, he joined the club from non-league Buxton. Uh, I think uh, Ken Furphy signed him, I think. Um, and he was a striker when he came, when he joined the football club. Uh, they didn't really think he had the qualities to make a striker. Dropped him back into midfield and played. He'll have a lot of games in midfield for us and uh, very successful. Unfortunately, for Tony, he broke his leg and, and for whatever reason, couldn't recover from that and then went on to the staff. And obviously, going on to the staff then, you know, worked under the different managers from, from Bobby Saxton going forward, obviously, you know, to the likes of Kenny, Dal Kenny Dalgleish and, uh, you know, the people that were involved around the club when they won the Premier League and, and, and after that as well. So, yeah, great servant for the football club. Great lad to be around. Uh, always good in the dressing room, you know, with the lads and stuff like that. And obviously, really disappointed to see the problems that he's got at this moment in time with his dementia and uh, obviously something that we're all eager to support. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you can find the link on any of Rovers Chat's social media and we definitely encourage as many people. I mean, I'm sure Colin Hendry's got lots of great stories to tell and um, obviously, you know, we'd love to do as much as we can for, for the Parks family. So um, thank you, uh, Derek, for spending so much time with us uh, this morning. Um, good, good luck with Oxford United in the playoffs. Uh, well, maybe even automatic promotion yet, who knows? Um, well, we'll just, let's, let's just make the playoffs and then we'll, <laughs> first and then we'll <laughs> look at the next step. Absolutely. And uh, Simon, I'm, I know you're, <laughs> you're somewhere down there. Um, hopefully your connection is, isn't too bad. You can hear this, but thank you for, for coming along as well and, and spending some time with us. And I'm sure that the Rovers fans will be you know, really keen to hear what you guys have got to say. So, yes, thank you. And, and we'll see you around. Well, you're coming, you'll be able to see Rovers a few times, hopefully, before the season finishes. Thank you. Thank you.
The Rovers Chat YouTube channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases and much more. They also have plenty of Rovers goods including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below. If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com.